0: I think you need a cooling period to really filter out the builders and the long-term players versus the short-term sociopaths who've kind of come in and started running the space in various ways. I think um, those cool-off periods are just crucial for the market in the long term.
1: Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW... It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big-picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by NYDIG and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, December 24th, and we are back with another episode of the end-of-year extravaganza. Now, it is undeniable that NFTs were a dominant story this year in the crypto industry. Whether they actually can lead to big-picture power ships is, I think, a question for 2022. Certainly, there are many who believe they can. And as part of this whole NFT movement, a variety of new voices sprung to the top of the scene. Folks who got in deep with different communities and created spaces and forums for their peers to congregate to discuss. One of those is Deez, Fi on Twitter, who hosts regular Twitter spaces, turns them into podcasts, and generally has been a super, super engaged NFT community member. On this episode, we get a sense of how he got into this space, what he thinks of the projects that launched this year, and what he thinks is going to happen with NFTs in the year to come. Let's jump into the conversation. All right, welcome back to The Breakdown. D's. it is great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for
0: having me, man. We've been talking for a while. It's nice to finally get to sit down and talk to you for a bit.
1: I know. And I, I, you are, I think, a big proponent of talking, thinking, learning, sharing out loud. It's certainly one of your hallmarks. So excited to have you uh, give you this different kind of platform to explore um, some of the things that you know made 21 what a crazy year that it was, and maybe some predictions for what what we might see next year. So uh, again, excited to have you here.
0: Yeah, thank you. I I love learning in public, and uh, I'm often wrong. So you know, it's great to <laughs> learn in the public eye, and uh, you know, be open about the process.
1: Let's actually start with a little bit of your story for for folks uh, who don't know, and, and maybe just uh, you know, uh, let's give some timeframes for you know when and how you really started going down the NFT rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. So the. Quick story would be that I got involved uh, in crypto in 2017 during that epic run, thought I was a genius. And then in 2018, I lost all the money I made. Um, Fast forward to 2020, and I came off a pretty decent DeFi summer. And my friend Trill was telling me I needed to look into CryptoPunks around September 2020. Um, And that was the first time I really paid attention to NFTs ended up buying my first floor punk and, you know, got into art blocks and a whole bunch of other stuff shortly after. And I've been pretty dedicated to NFTs now for the last, uh, we'll say, 15 months since that September.
1: So and this is really interesting, too, because I've heard you talk about this sort of Genesis story on a a few different podcasts, but I want to actually maybe incorporate some of these like year end questions into your story a little bit, too. Uh, You know, so maybe I'll ask them in both a way that's sort of for you personally, but also your thoughts more broadly. What do you think was the hook both for yourself and for others? Like when, when it clicked for you, when you're dragged back in, what combination of, uh, the art itself, the community around it, the ideas and conversations around it, like what was the cocktail of things that, that really kind of made this such a captivating thing to spend time and attention and energy on?
0: Yeah. So when I got into punks, um, I started trading them and it reminded me a lot of trading rare items in like mmos uh specifically like trading party hats in a game called runescape and i I thought to myself like oh wow these punks are like the party hats of runescape they're these very scarce illiquid items that came out a long time ago that people are buying just to show status they have no utility other than like the art and status so for me i fully understood like why this would be a good bet by comparing it to gaming experiences Um, for other people. I think it was a mixture of like social pressure from big names starting to like really talk about punks and NFTs. I think like before January, 2021, it was fairly quiet. And then in January, 2021, you have people like Gary V come in, you have John Bales and Peter Jennings from the daily fantasy crowd you have a bunch of uh, high-profile people kind of aping in NFTs. And that was when I think it clicked for a lot of people. Like, oh, crap, Top Shot is making these people a ton of money. Oh, crap, Punks are making these people a ton of money. And then later on, you know, Bored Apes and every subsequent project that came out made those people a lot of money.
1: Do you think it mattered that... There were two kind of very different types of NFTs popping off at the same time in the sense that you had sort of the profile pics and then not too much longer sort of, you know, generative AI art and things like that. But then on the a complete other end of the spectrum, you had Topshop, which was, you know, really not only sort of not just pure crypto natives, it was in some ways steering away from that language and that audience, but still showing the power of, of this different uh, approach to technology.
0: Yeah, I think having the different options meant there was a little something to like for everyone. Um, I know a lot of collectors who ended up like only going down the art blocks rabbit hole, but didn't go down the Punks rabbit hole or other PFP rabbit hole and vice versa. There's people who just stuck with PFPs and there, there's still people who just stuck, unfortunately, with Topshot and didn't want to migrate um, to a Ethereum based marketplace, but wanted to stick on a place where they could just use dollars. And I think just having all those different options really grew the pie for everybody. And then those different communities kind of cross-pollinated each other. And you saw funds flow back and forth between them as well.
1: Fund flows are actually another question that I wanted to ask. How much do you think it, like, was the timing of this shaped by, uh, excess capital from uh, previous successes in the sense that we had just come off DeFi summer, right? In some ways, you know, and obviously TopShot is a little bit different because the, the constituency was, was so different, but for the PFPs and, and sort of Ethereum-based NFTs, do you think that part of the timing was uh, just there was more, more people who had made a bunch of money on DeFi summer or is that sort of just uh, um, correlated but not causal?
0: I definitely think it has something to do with it. I mean, for me personally, that's how I was able to get in NFTs was taking my capital from uh, DeFi Summer. That being said, I think a lot of the money that came in in January 2021 was more USD-based and not uh, crypto-native, like the people specifically coming into TopShot. And then I think a lot of the projects after TopShot, specifically Bored Apes, a lot of that money wasn't. You know, from DeFi people at all, that was new money that came in. Um, I I would say like, yeah, the DeFi stuff helped in the beginning, but it's not the main reason. I think we just brought in a whole new market of like crypto users who never touched crypto before NFTs.
1: That's super interesting. Super, super interesting. Let's actually explore that a little bit more. So, you know, there's been a bunch of sort of waves of new folks coming in. How much is or what's the combination of people who are finding their way to crypto for the first time through NFTs versus crypto people who are finding their way over into NFTs? What's that blend look like?
0: Um, In terms of a split, I'm not really sure. But in terms of like the people I've communicated with a lot on Twitter and spaces and discords, I feel like over 75% of them are new market participants who haven't come from crypto. Um, That just comes with like my conversations, talking to people about DeFi stuff, like as simple as liquidity pools on Uniswap and like, you know, basic yield farming. Those principles and that knowledge is just missing from a a wide, like most, I feel like, of the new NFT participants. And that could just be like my audience and the people I end up engaging with. Uh, A lot of artists and creators follow me, maybe more so than the crypto Twitter scene. Uh, But I I feel like it's over 75% non-crypto native
1: people. Super interesting. I think that this is, I mean, this is a, something that I've been watching with interest. It feels to me like the first subsection of crypto that really will have a lot of people ultimately interacting, interacting with it without having at least initially any real sense of it being quote unquote crypto, right? And I think that's a pretty remarkable moment just for the industry as a whole.
0: Oh, it's been great to get people in who would have never like, Touched a, a ERC twenty token, or like thought about you know yield farming, but now that they can upload something they created and form a community around it, it's it's something very appealing to a lot of them. So yeah, I think NFTs are the first major like mainstream breakthrough. um And I think for la last year, I thought DeFi would be the breakthrough, but it became pretty apparent that the average person doesn't really want to put in the time to care about DeFi principles and like. Yield farming, they just—it's not the numbers aren't as like appealing and fancy to them. But when you bring in pictures and art and uh, digital gaming assets and stuff, that's something that's a lot more tangible to people, and they, I think, intuitively understand it a
1: lot better. Do you think that the gaming sort of the normalcy of gaming among our generation has contributed to that as well?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think. I mean, for me, I grew up playing video games for eight plus hours a day since I was, I don't know, 10 years old. Um, and it just, you know, you understand how you can have something that's digital and not real, but it's still scarce and it still has value. And I think, you know, as time goes on, we're going to become more and more of a uh, digital flexing culture. Like I, I look at my younger brother and he kind of spends all his money on Fortnite skins. Like he won't even get into crypto, no matter how much I try, but he'll, <laughs> Cut the neighbor's grass, make twenty bucks, and then spend it on V Bucks immediately. Like it's a savings account. So it's you know where I think we're going, and I I just hope that that attention shifts to the more crypto native and self sovereign and you know owning type platform, and not as much as the um, centralized gated metaverses that people are currently spending a lot of time and money in.
1: NYDIG sponsors this podcast, and they're helping CFOs, traders, and risk managers safely and securely integrate Bitcoin into their operations. Learn more about what Nidig does and how they do it at Nidig.com slash NLW. That's N-Y-D-I-G dot slash NLW. So I have a kind of a... a Two, two questions that are inverses of one another. Um, and so the the first one is, over the course of the last, you know, the, the time that you've been in the space, or just, you know, since January, how have you seen the critiques slash skepticism slash uh,/ cynicism around NFTs change or evolve, right? Are people skeptical of the same things? Are their arguments against it the same? Or have they evolved? And then kind of, on the flip side, how have you seen the arguments in favor of, or reasons why people are getting excited? How have those evolved as well?
0: Yeah, so I still feel like most of the arguments for people not getting involved—sorry, my cat is a suicide bomb on my desk right now. <laughs> okay, right here is cat. He's being insane. Anyway, the reasons I think uh, people are hesitant is still similar to what I saw last year or earlier in the year when it was like environmental concerns right click save like why is there you know a reason to own this when i can just save it or why are you destroying the environment i think those have been debunked a lot um but new people don't put in the work to maybe understand those arguments and still repeat them i think like the mainstream media slash reddit crowd has very uh warped and dogmatic takes on crypto and nfts like i have even my gaming friends i've tried to convert a lot of them that i spent you know 300 plus days playing runescape with and maybe four of the 50 people in my group chat have gotten a crypto and the rest are just like staunchly against it I, i don't understand it um in terms of being excited and like bullish changes over the year I think at first it was just a lot about like art and flexing like oh i can buy this punk it's cool art and like i can flex that i spent so much money on it and throughout the year specifically with like board apes and Bee friends we've seen more of a drive for utility and community functions that are not just limited to like being in the punks discord and talking about the market in general but people want to go to Events with their fellow community members, they want to do things in the metaverse, their fellow community members. So I think that's been the biggest change where I've seen the market place a big premium on these different utility functions that didn't really exist before vFriends and apes.
1: I want to come back to actually the question of of some of these skepticisms, but um, how much do you think that utility is going to play out in the metaverse versus IRL? Because people are pushing pretty strongly in both directions, right? These sort of, you know, these passports, uh, you know, or, or, or cards, you know, access cards to these different worlds are happening both in the real world and online, it seems like to me at least. Yeah, I think
0: there there are going to be pushes in both directions. And I think the best communities are going to provide both and that maybe there'll be a, a divergence in you know, communities that prefer more um, metaverse or digital experiences versus the communities that push for more physical. But I, I think the best will do a combination of both. I mean, in my opinion, I have a lot more uh, deeper connection to people I'm sharing a physical space with in person than I am like in a VR game, even if in the VR game, their character is approximately close. It just doesn't feel the same. So personally, I look for like a combination of events because um, I'd, I'd attend both.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's super interesting. I mean, I think the thing that's cool about this is that it's all totally to be created, how it how it ultimately plays out. And, and a lot of these things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, but I did want to circle back to the, this question of uh, particularly the environmental critique and the gamer animosity towards NFTs. I have, this is high on my list of things that I would not have expected this year is a, a sort of overblown, I mean, my biases are coming through with that description, but an overblown environmental critique um stopping people from supporting like one of the first ways artists have ever found to actually make money without just selling their soul to someone else is mind blowing to me but i wonder you know you spent more time with it than i have like do you have any deeper insight into where that comes from or where the sort of gamer animosity in general to to this to the space comes from yeah so this is just
0: my opinion. It's not fact. Um, but what I've seen with my own friends is a mixture of number one, a lot of cryptocurrency miners buying up graphics cards, driving up the prices of graphics cards. That makes gamers very angry when they can't just go buy a new card for MSRP, but they need to spend in some cases 50% over MSRP or more to, you know, make their gaming rig better. So they have, I think, a bias to dislike crypto just from the need for graphics cards. And then on top of that, I think a lot of gamers are um, more left leaning in their thoughts, whether it's like, um, uh, how do I say this? I, I think a lot of gamers are dogmatic thinkers who spend too much time in echo chambers and they don't think for themselves and they don't let something that might be obvious with some rational thought get through to them because all of their friends are saying something else and they want to be a part of that group. Um, And those are kind of my two observations between like graphics card prices and then the dogmatic group thing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that the, the dogmatic thinker thing is interesting because it almost like it doesn't dogmatism doesn't care what your starting point for the dogmatism cares and the echo chambers don't care either. It's just, it's the self repeating nature of them, you know? So uh, it's it's just interesting. It's, it's something that's sort of been a surprise and, you know, I, I hope shifts over time, but um, pretty, pretty interesting to see. What do you think, uh, as you're kind of looking into 2022, what are the things that people are starting to explore in the NFT space that actually have you really excited. And what I mean by that is that like, you know, is it different types of digital art? Is it, you know, new kind of plugins with different types of game experiences? Like it feels like, and maybe, maybe just as another kind of addition to this question is what do those new things mean for all of the PFPs and different projects that started this year, you know, are they all going to get flushed away or some big majority of them? Or is it, is it still just such a early kind of Cambrian explosion moment that we don't know yet what's going to really survive and thrive?
0: Yeah. So I see a lot of hype in this space for P2E and gaming like metaverse oriented stuff. Um, I personally am like not positioned or bought into it as much as other people, but Things like Sandbox and obviously Axie has had an incredible year and people are trying to figure out, okay, like how do we make Axie but better because the game isn't fun? But like we want to pay people to play it. Um, I think another area I'm excited in is like the metaverse galleries aspect. Um, As a collector, I kind of buy everything with this idea that I'll eventually show it off in a gallery in the future. So I'm seeing um, specifically the platform on Cyber come out with like a lot of cool curated galleries that are limited edition, but they're also working with like boutique architects to create, you know, one-on-one galleries for curators. And I get, you know, really excited about thinking about building my own virtual museum. And so I can make the that the, my own museum with my whole collection, which is awesome to me. So um, in terms of other things, I also am more excited for like the utility projects that are copying the friends most recently, I've been a pretty big proponent of Death Thats Club. And that's a profile picture project by the Avenged Sevenfold Band, where they're kind of taking the V Friends utility model and warping it to their band and fans where like, you have meet and greets, backstage passes, um, you know, you can go golfing with Matt Shadows or you get guitar lessons from Sinister Gates, or all these other cool things through the project. And I'm excited for just more creators to look at this model and realize that there's probably something there for them to offer their community. And um, that's kind of how I want to like engage with some of my favorite creators going forward, right? Like, maybe I don't always want to like, subscribe to Patreon or do some Web2 way of supporting them, like Twitch subscriptions, but I'd rather like own an NFT that lets me hang out with them or do something. Um, So those are the big three I'm kind of looking at in terms of shifts. I forget the second part of the question, honestly. Oh, no, was, me, me, me too. It's classic. Sorry. Question I was like long. trying to make
1: sure no, I, 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 I answered I love it.
0: the three things I liked. And then I was like, wait, you asked another part of the
1: question. No, no, no. Oh, oh I do. I do remember now. Um, what do you think it means for this wave of projects? I mean, I guess that the, it's kind of more, a more broad thing. Like, is how will we view this? Like, how much of the stuff that's created this year is has long-term versus it's just a lot of people trying things out and a lot of it's going to fade away.
0: Yeah, I think like 95% is going to fade away, um, if not more. There's so much junk in the ecosystem. There are good projects that I think will stand the test of time. And I have some bets on them. But in general, I think most people are going to chase the shiny new thing. I I think it's going to be reminiscent of like the ICO boom and then subsequent shitcoins. Like a lot of people who, let's just use like ICX, for example, or some 2017 shitcoin. A lot of people weren't buying ICX in DeFi summer because there's, this, there's nothing going on with it. There's new tokens coming out that have fresh blood. There's no bag holders. There's like more upside on pumps. I think the same is with NFT projects. Like if you see stuff that had a pump cycle and they're not doing anything in their community, like I would not buy that hoping it pumps again. I would just wait for a new project to buy into where there aren't bag holders. Um, so I think, you know, 95% plus of current NFTs are going to just trend to zero much like a lot of the ICO stuff just never panned out because they didn't do anything and better stuff came out after them.
1: I think it's really interesting, you know, one of the things that makes NFTs kind of interesting, just being being that they are art, that they are collectible, um, you could have really good projects that a bunch of people really like that still just don't make it because there's a power law distribution of how much time, energy, and attention, and you know, and this uh, it's like people who have their favorite bands that they can't believe that other people don't like, and that's probably actually a sign of a healthy market that not everything is thriving at all times, right?
0: No, you're definitely correct there. I, I would agree with all that
1: what have you learned hosting Twitter spaces over this year? Obviously, this is one of the things, that, you know, probably a lot of folks who are listening to this know you from, uh, you know, doing a ton of community conversations and just talking and listening. But, you know, any, anything that stands out as kind of lessons that you've drawn from that experience? Yeah, the biggest
0: thing I learned is like, personally, I really like to collect photography more than I thought I did, because I got to hear the artist tell a story. Uh, another thing is that a lot of people in this community that you've never heard of are actually super smart and can add a lot of value. And using something like a Twitter space where you bring up basically anybody who requests just to talk to them is a, a better way, I think, to like engage with smart people and get to know them better, even if they don't have a, a reputation in the space. Like, I feel like I've met so many people with under 500 followers who have become well-known now just from coming into spaces and talking their mind and sharing their opinion openly. Um, Another thing I love with spaces is that it's kind of like having a 24 seven or not 24 seven, but a very open radio (laughs) platform where you can have like 10 to 12 people on stage just talking about whatever. And anything that comes out, there's like a very, very high chance those 10 to 12 people are going to mention it. So like, the night that mutant apes came out we were just hosting a space and all of us did very well because we were talking about the drop or like when something comes up out of nowhere like loot and people are in a space talking about it immediately and then you hop on the bandwagon it's like a good uh source of alpha flow if you curate the right people on the stage which is something i didn't expect it to be i thought it would be just more like general conversations so that's a
1: couple surprises from spaces for me Super cool. Well, I hope you continue to do spaces and other content. But uh, just to, re- to round out this conversation, which I've had a ton of, ton of fun with, what's a prediction that you have for next year? And it could be NFTs, could be broader crypto space, could be the market, could be anything. But one prediction that you have for
0: 2022. One prediction. Man, I'm like really bearish right now because I'm uh, thinking of 2017 and how that went for me. So I feel <laughs> like my perception is very skewed. Um, I've been personally like positioning myself very stable and comfortably. So I don't want to predict that the market's going to crash or anything, but I want to predict that like NFTs in 2022, um, I'm going to say NFTs in 2022 are not going to do as well as people think they are. Um, that's just my prediction. Like, I, I don't think punks are going to 10x again. I don't think apes are going to go, you know, to floor. I don't think cats are going to flip apes. I don't think a lot of crazy stuff people are expecting is going to happen. I think we already had that cycle. So I'm going to make a, I guess, a bearish prediction and say that the market isn't going to be as hot as people think.
1: Do you think that it's important to have that sort of cooling period for the longevity of the space?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you need a cooling period to really filter out the builders and the long term players versus the short term sociopaths who've kind of come in and started running the space in various ways. I think um, those cool off periods are just crucial for the market in the long term and expectations like uh, the people in NFTs right now, a lot of them, their expectations of what this is is so warped because they experienced that like July, August timeframe where the market was just insanely hot every day. And now that the market isn't like that, you know, they're like, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm not getting sales as an artist, I can't sell my NFTs as a flipper, like devs do something is the vibe I get. So I'm just going to predict that that happens longer than people think it will.
1: Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm so glad that you're kind of in this space and, and doing what you do and uh, getting a lot of people to share their insights. I appreciate you coming on today and uh, look forward to chatting more in the new year.
0: Yeah, I look forward to
1: chatting more too. Thank you for having me on. I think over and over when you talk to folks who are deep in the NFT space, you don't get a lot of arguments that it isn't cluttered with a lot of extraneous projects or copycat projects. What separates the folks who are true believers from some of the folks who are maybe just tourists or looking to make a buck is that they can distinguish between those things, and the fact that there are so many of those types of projects doesn't diminish what they see as the potential long term. How that all plays out will be a really fascinating story in the year to come, and I super appreciate Dees taking the time to come on the show. We're off tomorrow, guys, for Christmas. Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate, and even if you don't, I hope you have a great Saturday anyways. So until Sunday, December 26th, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.
0: With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at chime.com/build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Results may vary. See chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details.